Hi, everyone. Welcome again to season two of the Becoming Unassailable podcast. This podcast is all about helping leaders build highly functional, collaborative, and aligned teams. Because when your team is functional, collaborative, and aligned, the entire organization becomes unassailable. My name is Mark Kenny. In each episode of season two, I am highlighting an interview with a senior leader to learn from their own experiences leading teams. In this episode, my guest is Spencer Tenney. Spencer is president and CEO of the Tenney Group, which is a merger and acquisition advisory firm that's been dedicated to the transportation and logistics industry since 1973. Spencer is going to share with you, I'm not sure how else to say it, except how to make your team and organization excellent just by the way you lead them. Really interesting and practical tips he offers. A couple of announcements before we get to this fabulous interview. First, I have a gift for listening to this podcast. There's some free chapters in my book. If you go to markskenny.com slash gift. Second, please subscribe to this podcast and take a moment to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening and let's get to the conversation. Spencer, it's so great to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Mark. Good to be with you. Good. So, so we were talking a little bit beforehand. So it's been busy in your industry. Uh, you're in the transportation industry. A lot of consolidation. You said. Um, so I just want to start with give our give our listeners a little bit of a context around the team that you lead, the team that you work with. Right. So, so we're an industry specialized merger and acquisition advisory firm. Uh, that's been dedicated to transportation and logistics since 1973. And so um, it, it's a pretty simple organization structure. We, we basically have two halves of our house. One primarily focuses on relationship development. We would kind of classify that as deal origination. And then we would have the other side of the house that is all about deal execution. So you have your um, you know, your analysts and your, and your VPs that are actually managing and driving the, the actual MA process. And so um, overseeing that is an executive leadership team that kind of drives the business forward towards our you know, three-year and 10-year targets. Awesome. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, Spencer, is um, you know s- some leaders are leaders of like gigantic organizations, and that's great to have their perspective, but you're not, you don't have thousands of employees. You're a smaller organization, but it's the same principles, but different context. Which I, which I really wanted. To, that's why I really wanted to hear your perspective on that because I bet it's a lot of the same challenges. Actually, I know it's a lot of the same challenges that you experience, or at least we'll find out. I think. Well, yeah, I think we will. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in the context of leading your team, that organization, especially that executive leadership team, what's been the biggest factor in your success? I think when I. Um gain control or controlling interest of the business back in 2018. Um, I, had, I had a big vision about how to f- drive the business into the future. And I knew that we had to change several different things. And there were, um, it was really important to me to, we, we had to really clearly define who we wanted to serve, um, who, we, who we wanted to work with and how we wanted to do it. And as part of that, 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 that kind of led to, um, and I think this is kind of, um, you know, spirit led. I think God has put some some values on my heart that that would attract that type of environment. And so for us, 
We had five values. It's very simple. It was just excellence, family, faith, community, and growth. And so um, part of setting us up for success was just trying to attract people and in some cases clients that had strong alignment and 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 who you know resonated with those five values. And I think that's just made things a lot easier for us culturally to accelerate a lot of things when you start with that alignment. Love that. What I'm hearing you say is, and if I can put this in my vernacular a little bit, um, like Patrick Lencioni, for example, talks about being smart and healthy. So, so like you're, it's not just a business strategy, but it's also like who we are, how we, how we act, how we behave um, so that everybody underneath you, the whole organization and your clients, which is interesting, knows who you are, how you're going to be successful, how are you going to go forward, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of like, hey, this is what what we're about. This is what we expect. And for, for, for me, it's just about fit. It's like, hey, do you, mm -hmm. you know, like we want this to be an amazing thing. And for some people, they walk into our environment and they think this is the best thing ever. And some people are very, you know, um, respectful and to say, hey, it's not it's it's not my bag. Right. And and. <laughs> And, and but I think that when you're very forward in terms of like, hey, this is what it is and there's no apologies about it. This is what our expectations are. And if you what we've experienced is if you resonate with these things, you're probably going to really enjoy this experience, both as an employee and as a client. And so um, so that's just served us really well just by keeping it simple and just staying true to those core values. Yeah, love that. And it's easier for people to make that distinction if they know it, they have their clarity on it, then they know this is for me or it's not for me. Right. Um, I'd like to go off script just a little bit, going back to like when you took over, for example, how did you implement those values or, or some of the changes that you wanted to? What were some of the tactics that you used to get everybody on the same page with that? Well, I think this this was a really interesting deal. Probably four months after we finalized our deal, where I took the controlling interest, my dad, and we were kind of slow rolling this. We had some legacy employees that had been with my dad for 25 years. And um, so I was very sensitive about um, what that's going to look like in terms of integrating my ideas and the things that I wanted to do um, while not rocking the boat too fast uh, or, 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 you know, too much too soon. And, um, but, you know, as, as, um, you know, God is funny in the way that he kind of makes things happen. But my dad, uh, was in a motorcycle accident about four months after, uh, I took ownership and it was incapacitated for six months. And so basically it was out of necessity. I was forced to re-engineer the business in my own vision much faster yeah. than what we, either one of us really intended but it was but what was interesting about that it allowed us to do some certain things where he and I might have tiptoed around a lot of things out of respect for one another, but things had to get done immediately. Mm -hmm. And so um that gave me license to do a lot of things that I'd wanted to do for a long time. Mm -hmm. And just because of the urgency of the situation that there really wasn't any alternatives, I was able to do that with virtually no pushback because they had to get done. Mm -hmm. And so I, I felt um obviously it was very concerned about my dad's life, number one, that he was going to be okay. Um, but also I felt very responsible that, hey, this this is something I can't mess up. I've got to take advantage of this, of this moment to make the changes, how they need to get made so that we can be the business that 
we all want to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, I didn't know that about your about your dad. Well, he's like again. My dad has nine lives. He probably has like uh, half a dozen, half a dozen more uh, near death experiences. Uh, but you know, he's still involved in the business today, and we're having more fun than we've ever had. It's 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 pretty wonderful. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like the word you use, tiptoe. Like we would have tiptoed. And I think sometimes that's the issue. Like, like some of these issues, we can't tiptoe around them. We've got to talk about them. But sometimes that's awkward. So that's really interesting. And also, I'm hearing through you're talking like, yes, we've got to change how we're doing things, embrace the future, but we're also honoring the past. And I think you can do, we can do both of those. Um, what is day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, what's a key practice or tactic that you keep coming back to? I, I think there's, I mean, there, there's several things that, um, I'm, I'm a real big control what we can control. I think just the MA process, there's so many things a part of it that we can't control. And so MA is things, mergers and acquisitions, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, like, you know, even in today's environment, I mean, banks have tremendous influence in terms of their appetite to, you know, make um, debt available so that deals can actually get done. So, there's, there's so many things that we can't control, even when we do everything right. So, in my business, just from a, a culture standpoint, we want to focus on the things that we can control no matter what. So that in the blend of it all, like we're going to be elite in what we're doing, as long as we take and we have the discipline of doing weekly what has to get done. So everybody in our firm has weekly measurables that are publicly accountable to everyone on a weekly basis. And so um, in doing that, um, it allows us to focus on the right activities, irrespective of what's going on. I mean, there's always a million things to do, but we focus on the things that we have to do no matter what. And just as a as a discipline, I think that's that's really um, powerful for us as a firm. And then you know we work off the I mean that's that's kind of within the uh, the EOS uh, entrepreneurial system, um, operating system. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of um, use that. That's been very helpful for us. Helpful for us to um, you know just stay focused, eliminate waste, and try to have you know, something that resembles uh, a little bit more of a work-life balance compared to what's typically expected in the kind of in the investment banking world. Got it. That makes sense. What are some of the obstacles and challenges that you're still working on? Um, I think that we're kind of at that place. We're, we're right at about 20 full-time equivalents, but we're beginning to grow to a certain point where, um, you know, we've, we've homegrown a lot of talent and we've developed and we multiple promotions to kind of get where we're going. And, and I think that we're, we're at a point where um, culturally we're having to go outside for certain expertise for people that are, can help us go next level. And so I think that's a little bit different um, from what we've done in the past. I mean, you ideally we like to train and we like to bring them up and develop, but there's just certain things when we get to uh, a certain level of sophistication that in order for us to go where we want to go as a business, like we, we have to go get the very, very, very best people um, doing what needs to get done. So I think that's just, that's um, it's a little new for us to go out and, and, and hire like really top end talent um, and and then put them in an environment where there's, you know, a lot of relationships in place already. And so I think that's a little bit different. It's very exciting, but it's certainly a challenge to make sure that we kind of marry that right elite talent with the right with the established culture. 
What are some things, what, what are one or two things that you've learned? Because raising a bump on the inside, you know them, you know what they're like, you know if they're a team player, if they fit the culture. So somebody may be an elite player, like really know their stuff. What are some things you've learned or, or maybe struggled with as far as how do you know that they're going to fit your culture? I mean, from I outside. No, I mean, I, I think there's a couple of things that we do. One of the things that we're, we're really big about, we like to have shadow days with talent where they can spend a day or two in some cases, sign a non-disclosure agreement and dis pretty early in the process, quite frankly, because I think that people are visual and I think they can kind of feed off energy. Like, am I going to gel well with these people? And I think it goes both ways. So we integrate that as far into our recruiting process pretty early because you can go do a ton of work negotiating and do all these things, but just chemistry wise, you can find out in five minutes, like, do I want to be in the same room with this person? And, and, and especially it's, you know, from a leadership standpoint, you're like, Hey, we've got this wonderful person and you hire them to go lead a team. And it turns out that like, they can't stand that person. Well, I'd rather find that out really early in the process. And so I think we try to front end load that kind of chemistry smell test uh, by using that shadow day as an instrument um, to, to one showcase, Hey, we think we have something to offer, but number two, like if, if we're not going to be a fit, let's smoke it out as early as possible. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think that for, depending on what the positions are, I, I think it's helpful to break bread outside of the, of a social environment. Um, I like having that with a spouse. I think that that provides some insight. Um, it's one thing if a person's gung ho about your company and your opportunity, but if the spouse is not on board, it's probably not going to work. And you can, she didn't have to, or, you know, he or she doesn't have to say anything, but if you can feel that energy, if they're not into it. I just think that's another good way to try to limit uh, unforced errors. Those are two really good suggestions, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Very practical. Yeah, because I'm I'm hearing you say that. I mean, it's easy to I hate to use the term "fake it," but fake it in a traditional interview. Um, good suggestions. Very practical. Um, what's the best advice? You know, especially thinking of you're leading this team, you know, week to week. What's the best advice you've ever received from someone on that topic? On on which topic? On how to lead the team, uh, like you as the leader, how to keep this team together, focus on the same thing, and and aligned. Yeah, I think the biggest, the, the hardest lesson, and and probably where I've the hardest lesson I've overcome, and, and and the thing that I've got the most traction from, probably over the last five years, is just being okay with letting go. And and understanding that someone can do it as good or better, and it doesn't matter if they approach it differently or think about it differently, as long as it's done with excellence. And so for me, as a leader, it was hard to um, differentiate between doing a good job and doing it the job exactly as I wanted it to get done. And like, if you can't separate the two, I think you can really peak early in terms of your leadership capabilities. And so um, I, I think for me, um, and again, some of this was just out of necessity, going back to my dad's motorcycle accident, there was a certain things that it was not, it was not possible. I just had to start letting go of things because the execution was totally unrealistic if I didn't. And so I think that this 
this discipline of systematically letting go of responsibilities. And of course, you want to make sure you have to hold people accountable, but like focusing on what can I get rid of um, and empower someone to actually do it better than I can do it. When 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 I begin to get comfortable with that, you know, things at the Tenney Group got a whole lot better. Spencer, it seems like there's a through line here to what you said in the beginning, which was something to the effect of, you know, we have things that we're measuring that we're publicly accountable for, we're clear in what we need to do every week. Are those related in the sense that we're spending some time so everyone is crystal clear and what the expectations are, what needs to be done week to week? And does that make it a lot easier to let go and let people do their jobs still accountable? Are those yeah. two tied together? I think that without question, they are. And, and I think that what we found over time is that, and this is not unique to Tinning Group, but if, but if you're really serious about the core values that you're putting out in front of people and you hold them to account for that, um, and, and I don't mean like in a uh, punitive way, but of like, hey, like I'm here, I'm here to help elevate you. Like my commitment is for you to be excellent. You have to bring something to the table and I have to bring something to the table as part of that. And um, but what ends up happening is that over time, um, anything that is in conflict with that gets rejected um, without anybody having to say anything. I think the culture rejects something that is in direct conflict with that. And so people will end up either self-electing out or, 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 or whatever, or they get a lens of it and they just don't want to be a part of it. And so I, I think that's what, and, and so like when you're, when you're having that type of environment and you get rid of all of the HR discussions about performance and all these things, just like, hey, this is what it is, then you're able to kind of focus on the cool work, knowing that we're not going to deviate from that standard. And that last statement, it's, it seems is key, like you can't accept anything that deviates from that standard. Otherwise, you have other values that, that creep in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's good. So there really are core values. If you're not doing what you're saying, then they're not really core values. They're just values on what? a piece of paper. Well, the way, on the, on the well I think the way that the way that we talk about it internally, like we, we talk about excellence and specifically sales excellence. I talk about this all the time. We're an MA, you know, advisory firm. We're a sales organization. You can dress it up however you want, but that's what we are. And so, like, um, so if we're not being just elite communicators, elite listeners, elite problem solvers, and the way that we communicate, like in all the ways that we relate to the people that we want to do business with, um, that's not excellence. And if we don't deliver on that first core value of excellence, there's no way that we're going to be able to experience all the other four core values that we care about, which are faith, family, community, and growth. Like you're not going to grow unless we're excellent. There's not going to be any career opportunities. There's not going to be new any, um, anything that's going to stimulate your imagination and creativity by some new project. So like, it just starts with excellence. And if we commit ourselves to that, then there's a chance that we get to experience some really special things. I'm curious, Spencer, are there some rhythms that you have to keep those in front of people, make sure everyone's going in the same direction, like something as simple as a weekly meeting or quarterly getting together with the team and making sure they're all aligned are there any are there any rhythms like that that you have to to make sure that you're 
you're maintaining that excellence? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think the biggest things, um, you know, and this is straight out of EOS. This is not unique to us, but I mean, we take it seriously. We take it right by the book in terms of the blueprint for that operating system, which is, in you know, for instance, on the business development side on Tuesday mornings when we come in and we go through all the things, um, there's a candid conversation we we'll all each everybody has an opportunity to list out, hey, here are the issues that are preventing me from getting to my quarterly rocks, our goals or whatever it is. And so we will rank those through discussion and then, then we will discuss and solve in the order of importance. Mm -hmm. So it's very it's pretty transparent. So saying like, hey, Johnny's not getting me what I need. That's he's a hold up on this. And you know, that we'll address that. And then what's interesting over time that knowing that we're gonna have those conversations. Many cases they'll take care of those before we get into that environment. But the idea is, it's like we're going to force the issue within this ninety-minute meeting, so that we can solve real issues in minutes as opposed to months. Going back to the other comment about tiptoeing around and not offending anybody, like, hey, we, we've normalized this. This is what we're going to do to help one another, so that we can produce excellence. Um, and so, to me, I think just from a cadence standpoint. That it's a huge deal when you know when you know you're going to have to be responsible for your measurables. You know we're going to, we're going to solve problems, and then the other thing is just on a weekly basis, and this is just more corporately. What I'm trying to do is to say, hey, here are the here are the five things that we need to focus on this week. There's a hundred different things, but I'm trying to isolate here are the five most important things that you need to know, and then here's a guiding principle that. Um, you know, guiding principles we see as different from core values because what the guiding principles actually provide um, direction on how to do your job. So, so one of those would be right information, right party, right time. That is a guiding principle for us. So what I'll do is when I see someone applying that, I will provide an example of what they did well. And, and the, the lesson is that when our team is actively integrating these guiding principles in, into their work and processing all decisions through the through the lens of those guiding principles, they're going to be more independent and they're going to make the right decisions. They're going to make less unforced errors that tax their teammates' time. And so like, I'm just showcasing these things of like examples of guiding principles of like, this is what they did and this is what value it created for all of us. And so in doing that, um, what we're hopefully what we're doing is we're conditioning uh, our, our teammates to be um, more impactful, more independent, and more effective. Love that. Telling stories to reinforce those guiding principles. And I don't want anybody listening to this to miss the fact that you're not just going about this whole thing willy-nilly. You have a framework in place that you've adopted. So everybody knows what the cadence and the rhythm is and how you're how you're running meetings and how you're running your business. In your case, you've said EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, and I'll put a link to that in the in the in the show notes if if anybody's interested. Um, anything we've missed that you really want to say, Spencer, uh, or 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 maybe I could ask like, where, what's next for you? Like, where how do you want to get better? What's next in terms of success as you're leading this team? I think that um, I mean I, I really desire to be an effective CEO. And I think part of what, you know, I look at is by my, by the earning power of my employees. And so like what, in terms of what they're doing, how they're promoting to me, that's, that's a pretty inspiring thing that I can work on to figure out like, okay, like what would it mean to have a company where these guys were 
you know, achieving certain things and impacting their families and impacting their communities in a way that was truly profound. That's where I get energy from. So to being able to um, grow as a leader, um, to uh, grow more humble, I think that's part of it. (laughs) (laughs) And acknowledge that that there's so many things that, um, that, you know, that, that I need to work on uh, to get to that place. But, you know, I, I think that's where I get energy. Uh, we, have, we have a 10-year target in front of us um, that's pretty scary uh, from an M&A standpoint. We're talking about $10 billion in transaction value created by uh, 2032. And along with that, a, a very big um, charitable giving goal that we're influencing. And so to me, like, we put that out there full well knowing nobody in this room is capable of executing that today. And so like, we're going to have to grow. We're going to have to re-engineer business. We have to rethink process. And so for me, um, I, I get excited about that. Full well knowing that there'll be some reinvention of how I do business today, uh, a great bit of reinvention to get where we want to go. And if we do that, we'll, we'll have done something pretty special. Which would never happen without a big, bold goal like that. Love it. That's a great way to end the conversation, Spencer. Thank you. Thank you so much for for joining me on the show and and just being willing to share all of this practical advice to to uh, to my listeners. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mark. You're welcome. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Mark here. You know, there's some of you that are listening who may want to go deeper and have a conversation about strategies for your own team and organization. Well, go to markskenny.com slash call and schedule a 30-minute complimentary strategy session with me. We'll talk about some strategies for your team and organization, whether or not we each decide there's a next step or not. And please remember to subscribe, and share this podcast with someone else so we can get the word out about building healthy, functional, collaborative, and aligned teams. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time.